You're listening to episode 36 of the Eat Well and Live Full podcast. Well, hey guys, welcome back to another Wednesday episode. I'm excited to have another guest on today, and this is a topic that I honestly don't know too much about. I know the surface level, but, you know, not struggling from this condition myself or really having anyone that close to me struggle with this condition, I brought in an expert to teach you all about how you can support your body naturally if you suffer with endometriosis. And if you don't know what that is, then this episode is still for you, totally from an educational purpose. And if you are struggling with endometriosis, then today's guest is your go-to girl for everything you can do to help support your body naturally. Today's guest is Ashley, and at 15, she knew that her horrible period pain was not normal, and it took her nearly 10 years to get diagnosed, and that was a lot of horrible period pains as a teenager. And then the solution was birth control, and she thought, how would I ever live without birth control? She knew she didn't want to have to take the pill that, you know, would turn off her hormones and lead to other causes. But she also did not want to go back to the days where she literally had to take days off work and weeks off work because she was in so much pain. She knew the answer was digging deeper. Hmm, a girl after my own heart. And she found a solution through holistic nutrition. Since she's graduated, She's created an entire plan called LEADS, which helps women dealing with endometriosis to finally thrive. Outside of helping women with debilitating periods, she also lives on a farm with her boyfriend and two dogs where they spend much of their time outside, especially um, living in Minnesota. <laughs> and they and she loves to keep up with her hobbies, including quilting, home DIY, and gardening. I'm super excited to talk to Ashley today all about endometriosis and how you can lead to thrive. I also just want to apologize that the audio cuts in a little bit here and there. I think it was an internet connection error, but I promise you the content is so, so good. So hang in there, okay? Thanks. Hi, I'm Lexi Sparrow, and I'm obsessed with helping women supercharge their lives by tapping into the innate wisdom of their female body. I'm a passionate health educator, certified nutritional therapy practitioner with a background in athletic therapy and exercise science. My passion is working with women who are ready to dive deep into taking back control of their health by working with their bodies rather than against them. But it wasn't all that long ago that I was so frustrated and confused by the signals my own body was sending me. In fact, my personal health journey is what led me to go back to school, start my own business, and begin helping other women make sense of their bodies too. The Eat Well and Live Full podcast was born to connect you with information on women's health, hormones, nutrition, mindset, and well-being. If you're ready to develop an organized and actionable plan to nourish the body you're in and create the healthy lifestyle you've been dreaming of, well, let's get started. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Lexi. How are you doing? I'm so excited to have you on. This is a topic that 
I honestly don't even know too much in detail about, I will admit. I know the surface level, but I definitely don't know near as much as you do. So I'm so excited to have you on the podcast to talk all about endometriosis and what we can do from a nutrition perspective and from a healthy lifestyle perspective um, that will actually help out women in our community who have this condition. Yeah, it's crazy that we're talking about something that, um, like, not very common, but is actually super common. Like, it's not something that we talk about or we hear a lot about, but it actually affects way more women in the world than we even know of. Yeah, that's crazy. And so let's just start it off by saying, like, what your story is, what your background is, and then your personal endo story that kind of got you into working with women around this topic. Um, so I am a nutritional therapy practitioner or functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, I also am a certified personal trainer and I have a degree in movement and sports science from Purdue. So I have been in the health and fitness industry for a while. (laughs) I don't even want to say that anymore, how long it's been. Um, (laughs) so I have mainly always worked with primarily women, uh, in a variety of ages and always dealing with like weight loss and dealing with their hormone, like, I think we blame our hormones for a lot, but, you know, are they always really the culprit in finding out what that is? Um, but helping in a variety of ways, like weight loss, um, nutrition to help lose weight and all that kind of stuff. But I was actually diagnosed with endometriosis at 23 after, um, nine years of periods from down under, they were awful. And I remember like missing school, being on the floor, crying, being in so much pain. Um, took me eight, no, nine years to finally get diagnosed. So I was diagnosed at 23 by surgery. So as of right now, the only way to get diagnosed with endometriosis is actually having surgery. Um, and they did, um, a burning. Um, so there's a couple different surgeries they can do, but they go in and they actually treat the endometriosis with, by burning it off. Um, there's other surgeries that they do now that are a little less harsh, Um, But basically, endometriosis is similar to the tissue that grows in your uterine lining, but it's it's different. But it can grow inside everywhere in your abdominal cavity. So, like, it can grow on your bladder. It can grow on your kidneys. It can grow all the way up to the bottom of your lungs, small intestine, uh, large intestine. So, like, it's why women that have endo deal with, like, a broad range of symptoms and a broad level of severity. Some women actually can live with endo and have absolutely no pain. Uh, and some women can have extreme pain and there can be someone that has like stage one endo that is severe pain and is like dying. And there could be someone that has stage four and like they can go in and they, that person might have no pain at all. Um, so there's no like stage one is this and stage two is this, like there's not this like normal order for this disease, which is very, very hard on how to treat it because currently there is no treatment available. Um, there's stuff that helps manage pain and manage your symptoms. Um, but those things also bring about other pains and other symptoms. So it makes it very, very hard when you are diagnosed with it to find the right path to go on because nothing really feels like a good option. Yeah, that's crazy. And so, so basically if we were to give it a definition, endometriosis is a disorder or a condition in which it's the tissue is similar to the tissue that forms your uterus, but it grows outside your uterus on different organs and places where it's not supposed to be essentially. Exactly. Right. It's, it's actually um, an immune disease. Okay. So it's, not, 
it's not an autoimmune. It is immune related. Um, a lot of like practitioners believe that it is like comes from stress, but they are not sure what kind of stress or like. Um, yeah, so it is basically tissue that's growing in your body on, and it results in inflammation and different side effects based on where you're at. Okay, and then you also mentioned that just because you have stage one or stage four, that doesn't really correlate with the symptoms or the pain that you might be experiencing. And I could imagine how hard that would make it for someone who is struggling because it almost is like, if you didn't know you had this, you're like, am I crying wolf? Like, what's wrong with me that I'm in so much pain? You know, and like I, you can't see the symptoms. Definitely. And I was the kid, like crying wolf extra hard. Like I was a pretty dramatic kid. So my mom just thought like, you're just having a period. And that's what a lot of women do. They go to the doctor and they say they're having all these issues. And if you're really young, like 14, 15 years old, they're just telling you like, you're going to grow out of this. I was told that for a very long time. Um, you're just having a period. This is just normal, which I know you've probably definitely heard too. This is just normal. This is what your body does. And this might be very common for us to have, like, even if you don't have endo, like having terrible period cramps that put you on the floor or like your, your back and your cramps are so bad. You're crying. Like that is not normal. Like that is common, but they, we have this huge issue with like, these things are happening and we're saying they're normal. It's fine. Like here's something you can do this and this will make it better. But like, why are we having all of these symptoms that like your period should come and go and it should just be something that's part of your life. And we're letting it's instead of like it being a part of our life and something that should be like really celebrated and a part of being a woman and growing and like developing, it's becoming like something that we dread. It's something that people will throw out like, Oh, you must be PMSing and all this stuff. I just think there should be a much more positive connotation that comes with it versus like, it's only bad that you're having a period or it's only brings these bad symptoms. It doesn't show the positive of what cycling actually means for our bodies as women. Yes. I a hundred thousand million percent agree with you. I'm literally like raising my hand in the air, even though no one can see it. <laughs> uh, but I, I completely agree. I also think that it's really tough when you know, you've grown up with those ideas and those thoughts in your head that like, this is a bad thing. This is something to be embarrassed about. This is, you know, this is normal. And this is something that is common. And everyone deals with it. So you just have to deal with it. And then you start to dread your period. And you kind of like, you know, as you go through your 20s, you might start having all of these underlying symptoms and things that are related to having your period, but they're not actually normal symptoms, but they're so normalized by our society that now we're like, oh, this is going to be my life forever. I hate this. Right. And so yes. I, I love to see more practitioners like yourself kind of standing up and saying like, no, this is, you know, this might be common, but this is not normal. This does not have to be how it is. Right. I mean, like how would our ancestors have gotten anything done <laughs> if they felt like this all the time? Right. I mean, there was a period when I was, I was given like high levels of ibuprofen, muscle relaxers, and like, like I've been given some heavy stuff because mine were super bad. And like, here I was 23 years old. I go to my, like, I finally moved away from home. I'm going to a doctor on my own and I'm going to the gynecologist. And I was like, okay, so these are my symptoms. And she, like, I swear she was probably very, very young, pretty new out of med school, but she was awesome. She looked at me and she said, you could have this. And this is what this means. And this is how we can diagnose. And I look at her and I said, okay. 
And she goes, you don't need any more information. I go, no, I need to know that for the last almost 10 years of my life, I haven't been making these symptoms up. Like I need you to tell me what's going on with me. And she went in, she did the surgery and like, I, and I followed the normal protocol. Most women, like after having surgery, they put you on continuous birth control. So you never have a, like a withdrawal bleed. So for a very long time, I went with no bleeding at all. Um, and I did the Lupron shots, which are uh, hormone injections that they give you, um, similar to their body through menopause, which uh, in case you want to know at 23, going through menopause, not really all that much fun, ladies. Like no one really wants to live that life. So, not. you know, here you are dealing, like, this is how you deal with these symptoms. Like you're, that's right. I never, I never missed a day of work after that. I wasn't crying because my period was so bad. Like, none of those symptoms were gone, but, um, calling your mom and explaining to her what's going on and her telling you you're having a hot flash and you're like, I'm 23. I can't have a hot flash. It's like a huge wake up call for you. But like, I didn't want to go back to the other pain. The other pain was so bad. And like, it's like, which side effects do you want to trade for? Do you want to trade for terrible periods or do you want to deal with hot flashes? And like, not that either one is glamorous. Like for me, like having a hot flash is significantly better than not being able to go to work. Yes. So basically what you're saying is once someone gets, goes through the process of getting diagnosed with endometriosis and having that surgery and actually getting a diagnosis, the treatments options for them are hormonal birth control and other hormone injections or hormone um, steroids or okay from the women that I work with and the women that I talk to very few women have tried originally to go the natural route without taking something like like we're talking about like days of work missed and like all of this kind of stuff and I know a lot of women that are on disability because of their endo like that is how like they can't work because their symptoms are so bad some of them even ranging to like being very similar to like fibromyalgia style inflammation and pain and discomfort. Um, so it's, there's no, like, here are your options, like in the medical community. It's like having the surgery can help and you don't necessarily have to go on birth control. I know like a wide variety, like a lot of women get the surgery done and they try and get pregnant almost immediately afterwards. Um, and then they have their kids and then they have a hysterectomy. Like, but having a hysterectomy doesn't mean your endo won't grow back. Mm. Like there is no, like you can remove, you can remove all the parts, but you can still have the problem because we're not talking about like, it's not coming from your uterus. It's literally your body creates these cells that grow in the wrong spot. Yes. Okay. So, well, we're going to get into some of the ways that you can naturally start to really relieve the symptoms and live a more balanced and pain-free life. But my question is, if someone is listening to this and they are struggling with symptoms, or maybe their symptoms have gone away now, but they're on a treatment for endometriosis that looks like hormonal birth control or looks like other hormones, will the steps that we're going to talk about still be impactful for them? Yes. I think even if you choose to stay on hormonal birth control, the stuff that I do and the stuff that I work with my clients is so much more than that because like no one wants to live in a world that like, this is what you have to take forever. And we're talking about like, you're on the pill. Like everyone knows you can't lose that last 15 pounds on the pill. And if you can, you come call me and teach me how, because I've been training and working with people for a long time. I haven't figured it out, but like there's, there's other side effects and sometimes like definitely before getting off of it, I, like, before my clients even get off the pill, you know, definitely talking with their doctor and stuff, but you know, here are the steps and the things you need to do before you even consider getting off because 
I see people, they're like, I'm just going to cold turkey, stop taking it. And they haven't made any changes. And then they're trying to make changes. Like you want to support your body before you stop taking something that like has caused other side effects. Yes. I think that's huge as well. Okay. So someone is ready. They're like, Ashley, give me the goods. What the heck can I even do? Like what, how will food help or how will, you know, changing my lifestyle actually help? Where do they start? So I have a leads method. So it leads to thriving with endo. Um, like you have to take steps to do this. So like the, the big one that I think like just this benefits all women, no matter where you are in the world or what your what symptoms you're dealing with is really listening, learning to listen to your body. Um, I do something, uh, like I use it as a journaling style and I kind of do it as like, a, I just write, like, how is my body feeling? Like what's going on? Like, what are my stressors and that kind of stuff? And I just try and like journal it out. And then I could see like, here's my stress. This is what's like in my life. These are the things that I noticing. And like actually take the time to listen. Um, and I like, sometimes I start from the head down. Sometimes I start from the toes up. Um, I can discuss like, oh, this joint feels a little achy today. Oh, I feel like this. Oh, I feel a little like out in space today. Like I can kind of gauge like where my mood is and like really listening and hearing that my hearing yourself in space and like really giving yourself 10 or 15 minutes in your day, like to address like where your body is. And this doesn't even necessarily have to be in the morning. Um, I think at the end of the day can be really valuable as well. Um, I do mine usually right around lunch um, because then I'm actually relaxed and more in, I'm, I'm a pretty go, go, go person. If you guys can't tell, uh, already strung up. So like I use that time before lunch. So I'm a little more rest and digest when I sit down to eat my lunch. So finding that time to listen to your body and hear what it's saying to you. It could be aches and pains. It could be like, realize like you're sitting down and your heart is just pounding out of your chest. Like take note of what's going on and take some deep breaths and like try and assess your situation. But most, most women dealing with endometriosis, like they're having issues in their lifestyle, uh, lifestyle meaning like relate complicated relationships. Uh, like they are overscheduled. They are trying to out supplement and out diet and out train all their other poor choices, like sleep and rest and having hobbies and all that kind of stuff. I um, mean, the other big one is stress and like really finding out where that stress is in your life. Like, uh, if someone asked me if I was, I'm stressed, I would always tell them no only to find out I like basically live in this world if I am stressed all the time. And I just, I, my body is so accustomed to that is that I can't even tell you that I'm stressed. So I don't even think we like, know, like we don't even know and we can't even hear it because we haven't taken that time to slow down. Um, so like taking that time to journal and write stuff out, you'll kind of come up with things that you need to work on. Like you get finding out that like every time you talk to your boyfriend about this, it becomes a really hard subject and it's something that's like internally gnawing at you and you don't even realize that. But once you write it out a couple times, you're like, we need to address this right now. Um, and like, you can use those stressors to like, and those, like, it's a hard conversation, but taking some of that out of your life will help you start to feel better just by listening to what's going on. Yeah. So really just listen the listening to your body. What I got from that to summarize is taking the time to sit down and figure out, okay, what is my body actually trying to tell me? Because I'm go, go, go and scheduled to the max and not actually paying attention to it. So the first step of your leads is really just listening to your body, taking the time to start, you know, becoming more intuitive with what's actually happening. Right. Well, and listening to the symptoms, like if you like, you think like, okay, maybe yours are just terrible cramps. You always have terrible cramps, but you don't realize 
I have terrible cramps and every time I cycle, my right toe hurts. And don't ask me why I say my right toe, but like maybe you have one joint that's specifically bothering you. Like those things are things to note. Like maybe every time, like every time you're about to cycle, like you start getting headaches too. And a lot of women don't even realize that they're getting headaches right before they cycle. They just know oh, I'm getting three, I got headaches three days in a row. They get their period and they don't even realize that those headaches are in relation to like what's going on in their cycle. And that can be something that we address as well beyond just like, oh, my cramps are bad. Like, oh, why am I? Yes, definitely. Okay. So once they kind of get in this journaling practice, what is the next step that they could start to implement to make some changes on these symptoms? So then I definitely move it. Like there's two that kind of go hand in hand. Energy, energy is your food, what you're eating, what you're putting into your body, um, and activity, the A. So what are you doing for activity? So I, I see this, the activity I see two different ways. A lot of women use activity like, and it's a punishment. So they're working out too hard, too frequently, way too much hit, maybe way too much CrossFit, or they're in so much pain. They're like, I can't do anything. We need, we need some happy space in there for activity. Um, you, we can use exercise to manage pain, um, but we can also be using exercise that's overstressing our body. So we need to find exercise that doesn't stress your body. So um, a couple of days you can, ways you can look at it on um, using your exercise to match your cycle. So depending on where, I know you've talked about this before, Lexi, like where you are in your cycle, your workouts should match that. Like knowing that when you are, you start your start menstruation, like your exercise might need to be milder, a little more light. When you get closer to ovulation, you can be hitting it really hard. That's when you have that hit. You can like probably hit a PR, all of those kind of things. Like using your cycle and like planning your workouts accordingly maybe like after you ovulate maybe you move into more yoga and then you menstruate and you just are doing walking like you can use it to fluctuate um but also just like listening to body maybe you do the same workouts but like when you're menstruating it's i'm you know like if you're using heart rate training and your heart rate is staying in that blue and yellow zone which is like 60 to 80 percent like 29 percent staying out of that 80 and maybe like closer to ovulation during ovulation, you're more in that 80% range, so you're waiting a little harder. Um, like you can use heart rate training and match your cycle versus changing what you're doing for workouts. Maybe you like enjoy hit training, but now you found a new competitive way to train yourself. Or I'm gonna work really hard in this area, and like that's 70 to 79 percent is really that after burning zone. So can you efficiently keep yourself in that heart rate without going over? I think can be also a different way to train yourself versus trying to go. Yeah, so really the takeaway is really just finding the way to train based on your cycle and and really just finding the workouts that work for you. Now, my question is, is this from a, um, a personal training perspective, if you are working with a trainer or you know you're, you're doing a certain program, how does someone kind of reach out to the person that they're working with or training with and say like, listen, I kind of want to try this cycle syncing thing. Like how do you even bring that up in a conversation? Because say you are working with a trainer or you're going to certain classes and things like that. Like how do you, how do you start to modify that? Does that make sense? Yeah, it is. It is really, it is really hard to get people on board. Like who don't understand and don't live that. Uh, I mean, like I can imagine someone asking this to my male counterpart at work and he's like a 25 year old guy, like, Oh God, <laughs> I don't know what to say to you right now. Um, but I think like, it's just being honest, like, Hey, I listened to this or I was reading this and I found this information. Like, 
how, how can we work this into seeing if this helps me feel better um, to optimize my training? Like trainers love the word optimizing your training because like that is really our whole goal. We want your training to optimize your life. Like, training isn't really like this. Like it's not to beat up your body. It's not to do all this stuff. And notice I said training and not working out. Like these are all things that are supposed to contribute to you having the best life possible. Uh, and if your workouts are tearing you down and you end up injured and all of this kind of stuff like that is you're not definitely not doing the right training. So like, I think most coaches are really going to take that and be like, I need, to look, I need to do some research. I need to learn some more. And I think maybe you have a coach that's like, no, my way is the right way. I, I would tell you to go find a new one. Yeah. And okay. And then a follow-up question. If you are, you know, doing your own workouts and pushing yourself and really on a training program, what is the best way to know from your body that, okay, maybe this is too much. Maybe I need to scale it back. Like what kind of symptoms or what would show up that would tell you like, okay, maybe I'm pushing it too hard right now. Aches and pains, missed cycles, bad cycles, uh, mood swings. Like there's so many things that can affect, like be affected by overtraining. Like I see a lot of overtraining as like, I see just in the gym in general, like injuries when people overtrain, I like they go from like, okay, my, my knee's been hurting. Okay. Then their knee stops hurting. Oh, my hip hurts. Oh, this hurts. Just like, it's not like you have one pain. It's like your pains move all the time. Um, that just tells me your body is dealing with like way too much load. Um, and like just more chronic inflammation. Okay. Yeah. That's a great tip. And then let's cycle back. Cause you also said that energy and really focusing on food is important. So what can we do in terms of endo and our food? So food is a very hard one with someone that deals with chronic pain, because we all know that like we are very, very tied to what we eat. Um, and I like to take it in steps and kind of decide what, depending on where the person is, like, what is it? Diet isn't everything for this. Like it is important to remove the foods that cause you to flare, but like it isn't making like, like the grand scheme of things. Like, like, oh, I need to remove all of these foods and I can never eat them. And, like, I don't eat gluten in my house. I know gluten makes me flare. So like breads and pastas, any wheat, barley, rye, like that stuff like, does not, I don't do well with it. So I don't have it in my house. I go out and if someone's having a and there's a cake there, I'm going to have a piece of cake. Am I going to flare? I'm 95% sure that I'm probably going to. But like this, I'm not going to let this own my whole life. And if I'm doing everything right at home where I eat 90 to 95% of my meals, Am I going to let the 10 to 5% potentially be a problem? And how bad of a problem is it going to be? And I don't know if, like, my goal is never 30 days, like, a whole cycle of pain. I can only have all of the cycles I have one day of pain. That's a really good deal for, like, someone that has endosomy. I don't let that be everything. Um, the other big focus is digestion. If you are not having, like, good digestion and regular bowel movements and all of that kind of stuff, you aren't getting those excess hormones out and your symptoms are going to be extremely worse. So like, finding no foods, foods that kind of, kind of scare you up, knowing that like, it isn't going to kill you to have a piece of cake and move on from it. But like also knowing like, if my digestion is, is good and I'm supporting my liver and my gallbladder and all of these other things, like I'm going to honestly just overall feel better. And I've noticed like for myself, you know, it's called a belly. Every girl that has endo knows exactly what I'm talking about is that you like never can get rid of this little pouch in your stomach because your stomach is always kind of a little more inflamed. Like that's where you notice a lot of your inflammation. Um, 
like if I, if my diet is better and maybe I only have one or two things in a month that like, well, I, that are my like no foods or my flare foods. Um, I notice that that is non-existent. Okay. So definitely the big takeaway, it seems are that food is not the end all to be all like food is so tied with how we feel and um, everything else in our society, really, we could go do a whole podcast episode on that. But what you're, <laughs> what you're saying is that everyone's um, diet and food around endo is going to be a little bit different because you need to kind of experiment. And again, start listening to your body to see what type of foods might make you feel not your best and might flare you up and start to cause more pain versus what foods can you eat where you actually feel better and more energized, right? Exactly. And, but, and, and then because stress ties so much into it, if you put someone on endo, like on an extreme, uh, like, like maybe we like someone does low histamine or like food bops or, uh, they go into like a full on, like, uh, anti-inflammatory diet, AIP style diet, like, you could be putting more stress on your body. So instead of getting better, you could actually be getting worse. So like, I don't necessarily, like, depending on where someone is, I don't necessarily jump in and I'm like, we're going to remove all of these foods. We're going to remove everything because like, I actually, like, I've done all of those things because of course I have. I was so desperate to feel better. Uh, I made, like, when I did some of those things, I made it basically to get something worse because my body was so stressed out about what it was going to be and what it was going to be that like, I would have been better off eating cupcakes for a whole month than I would have been doing like AIP. I'm like, stressed. Yeah. So really just taking it slower and again, tapping into that like intuitiveness of your body and starting to listen to what feels okay with your body. And the big thing that kind of seems to be a theme with this is going slow, like just taking yes. things slow, not stressing your body out, which again, kind of goes against everything. Like I know your personality and probably a lot of other people that you work with where they're like, I want to do it all. I want to implement it all. Give me the checklist. Give me the meal plan. Like I'll do it all a plus, but unfortunately I, that could kind of backfire. I give them a checklist like for like, so there's like a daily checklist and like, here's what you want to do this week. And like, there's like three items on it and everyone's like, but I need to do more. And I'm like, no, you need to do less. Yes. And I think like, you need to just worry about less. Like there are so many things like, and like this list is like, and sometimes the list really is these five things. Like every week, what are you doing in these five areas? And like doing your check, like your daily checklist here are your things like in the leads area. Um, like, so the next one is going to be detox. And this is, I'm not telling anyone to go on a juice cleanse guys. I'm telling you, like realizing that if there's like products that you're using that are harmful to your endocrine system, like fragrances. So my first week in my, in my program for my endocrine is like removing all artificial fragrances from your home. So you're burning candles, like almost the natural solutions. Get getting the windows open. When you're using essential oils, like gradually moving through products that you have every day like those that is detoxing your body without you really doing anything that's make or break um i share tons of diys like how to make your own like candles that are like actually not going to like, cause you to like be having a ton of problems so like those and then also like realizing like the heavy metals that are in your body depending on like what you've been doing like so maybe you have fillings and that kind of stuff like those can be an added stressor to your body. And maybe you actually do have no stress, but you have fillings and they are, they are a problem. Maybe it's 
making getting your fillings removed and making those switches which are not cheap but like definitely can make a huge impact on how you feel overall yeah so and you mentioned like products and we again there's so much information out there and so i think again start slowly like okay candles like if you have a bajillion of those bath and body works candles at your house okay let's okay no no not even just if you just have a bath and body works anything in your house (laughs) the garbage like this is for everyone like let's do everyone a favor no one needs to smell like love smell at 30. (laughs) i love it yeah but no like it, it is simple like and products that you use a lot um like deodorant you use it every day god i hope you do but if you're using it every day it's something you're putting on your skin every day those products like here's the hierarchy and maybe like money is a big thing i know like financially we can't afford to like switch everything in your house well maybe you realize like i use lotion a lot i need to make a better choice and you toss your lotion bottle in the thing and you make you you swap that one thing out because one thing can be making a huge impact yes especially when you think of okay how many times have i put this lotion on my body for the last 10 years well let's think about that's a long time (laughs) okay since I wash my hands multiple times now, like daily. Every time I go somewhere, I wash my hands again. And every time I leave, I wash my hands again. And like I'm washing my hands more because everything is bad in the world right now. So I'm not really a lotion user, and I'm not a normal entire lotion. Yeah. And I'm not like I'm not a normal user, so it's not as a normal user. Like your usage has probably increased. Um, so like maybe you need to like, that's your product. Like what is the product that you think you could, would make the biggest impact and you use the most like skincare is great, like makeup's great, like, but you know, we're talking about things that have a cost. So don't think you're going to have to throw everything away. Just finish what you have and then, okay, I'm going to replace it with X option. Uh, I have a bunch of different options for people. There's brands that I love and I share with people. Like I love beauty counter and everyone, I, I do not sell beauty counter but like i send people to my friends all the time that sell it because one that is not where my passion lies and if anyone knows me they know that i like can barely put mascara on um so like that's not my thing but i love sharing about it because i think it's super powerful yes so i think i and i totally agree um i always say that you know kind of use up what you have and then make the switch like do your research while you're using up what you have you know budget for what you need and a lot of times if you invest in these um, more natural products or safer products, like you don't need a ton of that product to do the job because it doesn't have all of these other things thrown into it. So a lot of yeah. times it feels like this really big investment, but I know that I you know I use Beauty Counter as well and sell Beauty Counter. And the one thing that I've noticed about switching from their products is I actually don't buy them as often as I would have to buy my traditional products because I just don't have to use as much to get the job done too. So there's kind of that as well, but I agree. Go, go through and just kind of make yourself a list starting to look at the labels and see, okay, what has fragrance? Like what has a bunch of chemicals that I can't even pronounce in it? I think that's a great place to start. This is actually part like that whole products and making switches. I have a whole program that I am I have created for the our clients at the gym, but I can definitely share with other people if they are interested. Is uh, it's called Cleaner at Home. So making choices, like how do you even make these choices? How do you read a label on these things? Like 
reading food labels can be complicated enough. And now I'm going to make you read a label that has ingredients that you can't even like, <laughs> can't even pronounce like, okay, food labels have those too. But um, like these labels are even more intricate and complex and all of that kind of stuff. So like actually break down like which products do you like, what are the, like the top five things you want to make sure no product has in it. And then like kind of growing on there. I also in the program go over like the clean 15 and uh, dirty dozen and that kind of stuff, like breaking those things down for people. So like, they understand like how to make your home the cleaner place. Um, also, I think we sometimes we try and jump too far ahead on the detox scale and try and fix everything in the whole world. Uh, your whole world begins at home. Um, so fix what's at your house first, and then you can take this up to your office or maybe even just to your car. You have air fresheners in your car or air freshener come out. Then, okay, so you've now left your house, you've fixed your car, and now you've traveled to work. Okay, what is at work? This doesn't have At work, we might, we have view counter at the gym, so we use all view counter products and we need to switch. So those are the handful that you made. Can you help with some of those fixes to make things a little bit thicker or a little bit better for what you have available? Um, and maybe your work won't have beauty counter soap, but no one's saying that you can't bring your own soap to work. So like, yeah. you don't have to get crazy there first, but like start at home and then like progress as you need to and as you see fit. Yeah, I think that's a great point because again, if we just got rid of all of our products and switched to natural products, like that is still not going to fix the deeper underlying issues if we're not working on the listening to our body and increasing our energy using food and working on our activity levels and everything else, right? So exactly. Yeah. And the last one is support. And I like we can talk all day, like Lexi, before we even hopped on, we talked about like how I miss the gym because right now I'm at home. Uh, and I, I miss that community of people. And even though I'm doing virtual training and all that kind of stuff, there's something very powerful about a community of people that are in the same boat and know what you're going through. Even if their story is a little different, like one in 10 women are diagnosed with endometriosis. That's a lot of like, when you really think about it, like that's a lot of people that are diagnosed. And like most of these, a lot of these women are walking around pain and symptom free. Gosh, I wish I was one of them. Um, but uh, it's very, you can feel very isolated when you're going through pain. And you, if you saw me on the outside, I look healthy. I'm at a healthy weight. I look super fit. I like, I, I know <laughs> I have never had acne and I like, so my skin looks really good. Like I look very, very healthy. And on the inside, like I basically like, I sometimes feel like I want to run my insides out. So it's very hard to have a big, something very chronic and no one can see it. So you feel very isolated and very alone. Um, and it's hard when people in your life look at you and say, oh, well, you're fine. Like, you look fine. Well, I'm sorry that you can't see my insides and what they look like right now. But like, I think having a space and having a group of people that are there and like walking through the trenches with you, even, if, even on their own journey, it, it makes it a little bit less lonely of a space. Yes, definitely. Okay. And so that brings us to a really good point because I know that you are working hard on creating this community that's going to help not only support women in not feeling so alone, but give them the tools and give them your lead system. So where can people go to um, find you and learn more about your program and what you're offering? So very simple. All of my programs that I offer, I offer a monthly program, um, really just beginning with like learning to listen to your body energy activity. That's like the beginning steps um, that I offer to, to anyone dealing with like bad periods and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
in my sorority group. Yes, sorority. Yes, I was in one in college. <laughs> but you can find it all in the story. And then my my 12-week intensive working with my endo clients um, is also on my website, Thriving with Endo. So we lead to thrive. Um, and that can all be found on my website, which is ashleykeo.com. Um, here, good luck spelling my last name. I'm sure Lexi will put it in the comments. You guys can actually type it out. Um, but it's a lot, lot of lot of vowels. Yes. Awesome. And I will for sure make sure that all those links are in the, um, the description of this episode. So you can go check out Ashley. Um, are you pretty active on Instagram as well? I do. I'm terrible at posting, but I am a story lover. So I do quite a few stories. So my Instagram is Ashley underscore Keo underscore NTP. Perfect. That's right. So I'll link that as well. So you guys can go follow Ashley, check out her programs and learn more about um, what she does and what she's doing for the community to help women with endometriosis. Thank you so much, Ashley, for this awesome episode. It was definitely very informative and I'm excited to maybe have you back on the podcast again one day. Awesome. Thanks, Lexi. It was good talking to you. Well, there you have it. There are holistic and natural options when you have endometriosis. And so if you've been struggling with these horrible period pains where you literally cannot do anything and you haven't been diagnosed, it might be a conversation to start having with your doctor to investigate a little bit further because it's not just inside your head. Secondly, if you have been diagnosed with endometriosis, there is another option, just like we talked about. So reach out to Ashley and see how you can get started. Where do you even begin? And maybe even work with her through her Leads to Thriving with Endo program. I'll make sure all of the links to check out Ashley and her program are in the description as always. And I will catch you guys next week for another episode. 